Okay, welcome back to the official Scottish Rugby podcast with me, Joe Wilson, Scotland legend Chris Patterson, as well as Scotland captain Rachel Malcolm. Um, Scotland 8 taking on a chilly side this Saturday ahead of their three-match test series against Argentina. So we're going to be looking ahead to that. We'll be speaking uh, with Scotland's scrum half George Horn, who makes his return to the squad. Well, Rach, you're uh, pitch side. Join us for a uh, five minutes or so between sessions. Uh, obviously, um, training at Orium this week. It's uh, pretty full on, I believe. There's a few tired bodies, a few tired faces as we really get your teeth into this <laughs> pre-season as early as June. We're not even into July in the pre-season. How's, it, how's things at Orium? Yeah, no, it's been uh, a tough kind of two weeks now. Well, we're a week, week and a half in, uh, but really good. Uh, we're obviously predominantly forwards here um, as a lot of our backs are off doing the sevens bit at the minute which is cool and they've got some exciting stuff coming up but yeah no real kind of conditioning focus at the minute um a lot of contact conditioning and stuff like that so pretty tough on the body but um no we're it's really good and it's good to get back together and we've got our kind of biggest session um of the day this afternoon of the day of the week this afternoon so yeah just kind of building towards that and then day off tomorrow and then another big day thursday um, before we go into the weekend. It's hard though, isn't it, this time of year? See, we're not even into July, as I said, and a lot of players have played fairly recently, but then it's a yeah. long time before you play again, so you have to kind of find the balance between staying fit, obviously, and, and staying in tune and working on you know, the conditioning elements, but the contact element you mentioned as well. Like It's hard, isn't it, Like because you don't want to take too much contact, you don't want to pick up shoulders and backs and niggles when you're mm. in that phase of strength in the gym, but how much of it is just mentally tough as well because you know the work has to be done but it's so far away from potential world cup warm-up games and, and, and tests it's all money in the bank but it's hard isn't it this time of year yeah this this block's hard we i guess the only like i guess good thing about it is is like we haven't really had thing. a chance but <laughs> no, one of the good things is that we've not really had a chance to have a pre-season for the last kind of two seasons because yeah. during the pandemic it was kind of we had to constantly be ready because we just didn't know like when games were going to get rescheduled and when we might play and stuff. So we've gone through a period where we've been in a constant like performance focus and, yeah. you know, you don't get the chance to really build that base and work on your weaknesses and, and bits like that. You do to an extent, but you're always kind of working towards a game and what the team needs. So it's a really good opportunity we've got, although it's tough because we are so far out to work as a team to get that base, but also work on our weaknesses as individuals. So we're spending a lot of time on really specific skills and specific skills to the forwards in particular, which has been like, there's there's not really that often an opportunity where you get this much time as a pack. So we're just trying to make the most of it now. And I guess that's why we're kind of, it's, it is heavier on the contact side of things. But then I imagine when we come back together as a, a full 15 or a full 15 squad, it'll be a little bit more kind of, team specific and are you staying in camp or, or do you get to go home or is it the kind of is it a long time to be in camp <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of uh, changes week on week to be honest depending on like what phase we're in so at the minute uh, for this first block we come in and out um each weekend so we're in monday to thursday so those of us that are kind of from down south or elsewhere stay in edinburgh monday to thursday go home, come back kind of thing. So that'll be the same for the first block. I think for the second block, most of us are kind of relocating to Edinburgh because that block is quite long. So to travel every week, it'll be quite intense. And then within that block as well, we've got some like national camps. So these aren't necessarily camps that we're in at the minute. They're just kind of training phases. Uh, whereas when we're in national camps, we'll stay together as a team um, in like a team hotel like we usually do. 
and then obviously when we go into fixtures and stuff like that we'll obviously stay together as a team and, and in camp so it kind of varies throughout the time and we've got a couple of weeks off after next week so we'll all disperse for a bit and take a little bit of downtime and then come back in and keep going well uh, you won't have really much appetite for rugby by the time you get home on a Thursday and come back on Sunday. But did you see any of the weekend, the URC final? Did you, you might see any of the storm was coming at the top against the Bulls? I've only seen bits of the URC final. I watched, obviously, um, the Prem final, final and the, the Babas game as well. But URC mm. final, I've seen bits of it and it was looked like an absolute physical yeah. dogfight in some ways, but um, a, a real good game. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised the storm was one. I thought, I said a few weeks back, and I'm going to sound as if I sound as if I know what I'm talking about. But I thought the Bulls had the physicality to beat Leinster. This was before Leinster and Bulls played. But I thought if you look at Stormers, they've got the game that could beat anybody. But I didn't yeah. know if they had the physicality to beat Leinster that would be needed. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, it was—I mean, it was such a disappointing first half in many ways due to the weather. It was wet and caked down, and you know, skill level wasn't particularly good. Bulls got off to a flying start, scored, but then what won it in the end was Stormers' ability to attack, and the attack kind of basically wore down that, that kicking game. Now, not to say that kicking game's bad, but it was just like you saw so many finals, and well, other than the Barbarians at the weekend, dominated by kicking. You mentioned the Leicester, the Prem final with Leicester, and yeah. it was a tactical massive stroke to get rid of the ball because Saracens get all their it was, wasn't influence it? from hitting people and, and attitudes from hitting people. So it was almost mm. mirrored a wee bit when national rugby we see, where we see less rugby being played, more kicking, more games won in defence. But yeah, please for the Stormers, pick up the first yeah. URC title, and, and you mentioned yeah. the the Prem final, that was, uh, it was, although nothing really happened, especially it's in the weird half, game. it was utterly engrossing, wasn't it? <laughs> uh-huh, like the second half in particular, there was like, there was a period of about 10 minutes where the majority of both teams were just sat on the halfway line and they were just <laughs> kicking back and forward and it was just like, who's going to make the first move? But like the final 10 minutes was just unbelievable to be a pretty unbiased spectator and just <laughs> enjoy the like excitement around it and the reaction and I think like the story behind Leicester and like where they've come from in the last couple of seasons and the kind of rebuild and obviously the the sad news that they've gone through in the the last couple of weeks as well and mm-hmm. um, for them to to come out on top I, I really do think it's the the right thing for rugby and them and, and all that goes with it so it was brilliant to see the um the Barbarians game you mentioned as well that was completely different wasn't it yeah that was kind of mad like um you know <laughs> so rugby I, should be I kind of, yeah well when when um Will Skelton went off so early yeah. Um, with a red card I really did I said oh that's a real shame because this would have been a really entertaining game to watch and then next thing they just carried on playing and staying on top and and obviously went on to completely dominate England so it wasn't what I expected but yeah they just dominated in every area didn't they? I mean there's a French well it was a heavily French orientated team with a lot of top players and just the willingness and the flair to play like that is excellent to see, even at an international level. So uh, it was good to see that. We're joined with Joe Wilson. No, Joe's joined in. Joined in. We're going we're gonna to have a crack. Rach, we're going to have to let you get going. Uh, you're looking over your shoulder. Is it, is it time for this miserable session? You, you, you I am, about? sorry. Rachel, it's hello and goodbye. Is, yeah. I'm terribly sorry. It's, it's not, <laughs> I know, sorry, Joe. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Fault, I know, I'm very sorry. It's a fleeting one for me today, but um, I'm sure we will meet properly at some point very soon. We will indeed. <laughs> right. Good on I'll, your reach. Enjoy. I will see you, you guys later. Enjoy. Yeah, Enjoy. Day. See ya. Well, Joe, that's Rachel away to training. Uh, do you I know, I'm trying not to take offence that uh, <laughs> she left as soon as I joined, but... <laughs> I think there was a there was a bit of nervousness as well. She was saying just before you, you jumped on that it's uh, it's the kind of big session of the week. 
Right. They're, they're working pretty hard. There's a bit of contact element, there's a bit of conditioning element. So it's uh, Tuesday afternoon. It's quite often Tuesday was often the biggest session because you were, I know they're not in competition at the moment, but in traditional league season, you, your game at the weekend would take until Tuesday to recover from physically. Yeah. And then the Tuesday was far enough away from the, the next fixture that you could bash each other up a little bit. Yeah. So Tuesday was often a Tuesday's Tuesday often the, the most physical one. The grumpy day, yeah. Depending on results, Mondays could be grumpy, but physically Tuesdays were probably the most demanding. So we'll let Rach get away and enjoy that as we as we have a crack. <laughs> oh yeah. Shall we get straight into the, the pro alignment then that took yeah. place, the clash between Glasgow and Edinburgh? Because I mean it was a really close fought thing. Yeah. I guess, first of all, maybe we should explain a little bit about what it is for anyone that isn't sure why this fixture was taking place. Yeah, so well, as you know, the, the Fossil Super 6 Sprint Series concluded last week uh, and there's three teams from the, the six aligned to Edinburgh and three teams aligned to, to Glasgow, the East and West. So um, there was a you know, selection of East representative players playing West representative players. So Edinburgh came out and top 26-24. And it was almost like, we rewind the clock a week, Jason Baggett scoring a, a runaway try to clinch it for, for Edinburgh, just as he'd, he'd done for, for Watsonians a week before uh, against Stirling. But cracking game, played at Millbrae. The Sunday tries beforehand were excellent. Logan Trotter scored a try for uh, for Glasgow that was uh, you know, brilliant in terms of build-up, offloading Aaron Tate's footwork, getting hands-free. Um, just really good, really good. Sunshine and hard physical game and, and an opportunity for, for some of the players that played in that, that sprint series to... Um, to come together within a week um, and get another meaningful fixture um, or rugby played. So that's the the Super Six until you know, the Championship starts in early August. But I said a lot of good attack and rugby and show. Yeah, what do you think everyone has kind of made of this Super Six series then? Because I was reading a little bit about it and even at that game there, there seems to be a real buzz even amongst the players and things. I mean, is this something that's going down as, as a real success and, and it kind of gives fans even more of an opportunity to watch rugby, you know, in a, in a different setting, in a different way? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it certainly built through the championship last year. We talked quite a lot about the the final that Adam held between the Southern Knights and, and Ayrshire Bulls, who picked up the trophy last year and built up to a real a level that was you know getting close towards professional rugby, which was exactly what it was designed to do to bridge a gap between the the amateur game as such and, and the professional game. And then you know the 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 window we've just had the sprint series was was playing each other once and home or away. And it's just more opportunity to get meaningful fixtures. Right? You, you have to play. There have to be a reference point. You have to allow players to get on the field to realise what they're working on is working or not working or improving. And just as many competitive games as, as you can get, I think, is really but within reason, obviously, but it's really important. Um, and then you've got the added element last week of playing beside people you don't know, you haven't played beside. So what that demands is a natural ability and a natural decision-making and just your rugby instinct to come out. We'll touch on the under-20 squad uh, in a moment or so. They're playing summer seasons over in Italy. And I think 75% of the, the 32 players picked for that were playing regularly the Super 6 sprint series. We had professional players coming back. George Horn, who we'll talk to later on as well, played in the sprint series for Barramur, after long-term injury, coming back and game minutes. So absolutely a developmental point of it. But there's a performance point of view as well and, and the exposure to the match officials and the coaches. It's all you know meaningful bits of rugby knowledge and experience with a with a core support behind it as well. That that's uh it's really filling the gap. So 
Um, yeah, congratulations to, to, to Edinburgh. I suppose they hold both Waltonians winning the, the sprint series and then Edinburgh winning the pro alignment fixture. So the, uh, the folk in the West will be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you, you mentioned it there about this under-20s summer series. 32-man squad was announced this week. The fixture's taking place in Italy. Uh, all gets underway with games against Wales, Italy and Georgia. Chris, tell us a bit about the summer series and what it is, first of all. Well, really, since COVID took hold and had an impact on the, the structure, the season structure, ultimately outside the, the professional international levels, the under-20s are really hard to hit. There's a, a Junior World Trophy and a Junior World Championship, and there was every year. It's effectively a Junior World Cup. Uh, and the, the Junior World Trophy, which was the, the second tier of that. And that those took place every year. But obviously for two years, that was stopped. They're still not quite back up to the, the, the normal structure. And, and this is a, a, a structure they've made for this season. So the under-20s get you know international rugby. They, they can get that, that exposure that they've missed over the last two years. Um, so two pools um, hosted in Italy, as you say. In Scotland, they're in a pool with Wales, Italy, Georgia play each other. Once in the, in the other pool, the group of death is the England, France, South Africa, and Ireland, which is exceedingly strong. Uh, so three fixtures, and then a cross pool fixture. Scotland start against Wales uh, uh, at Treviso on, on Saturday at four o'clock. The games are going to be shown on the website as well. All the games will be shown on the Scottish Rugby website, be streamed. So it's a, it's a really good opportunity. So it's 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 another opportunity for our professional players or our, our age grade players to play international rugby, and they'll be exposed to quality. I mean. We talked to Rachel about the Barbarians. There was a couple of the French players playing for the Barbarians who would be in that France under 20 squad. And it's that's the level of competition you could be against. There was two or three players in the, the extended England squad that has just been cut down to go to Australia who were training with England in the lead up to the Barbarians match who will be in the England squad for the under 20 summer series. So it's real hard rugby. The Georgian winger as well who played for the Barbarians last week, he's still eligible for the under 20 so. It's meaningful, hard rugby, international rugby, and it's back to back to back. You know, it's uh, I think it's it's Wales first, it's Italy the following Thursday, and then the Wednesday after that, Georgia, the Tuesday after that, it'll be the, the, the cross pool game. So not only is your, your rugby experience or your rugby now is going to be tested and your physicality, you've got to be durable and you've got to have to learn the process of recovery. They don't look, learn it, these players know it, but be exposed to recovering. Um, on six days turnaround, dealing with disappointment, perhaps, or, or dealing with, with, with you know achievement, and then putting it to one side and focusing on the next the next task. So all really important as we say we hope and, and help our players develop for for what they might be exposed to in the years to come. You mentioned how good the standard of some of the opponents are in this summer series. What about Scotland's under twenties? How good are we at this level? We need time together, um, and and. The traditional story is that we say in the Six Nations, we always kind of finish better than we start because there isn't a lot of time together. Now, said before, 75% of the squad had been playing in the, the sprint series, the Force Rock sprint series, so that helps. But there's also a lot of inexperience in, in that squad. And, um, so so it's it's hard to tell. The disappointing Six Nations, obviously, there was, there was decent bits at times, decent tries, maybe three tries against against England, but came up short in, in, in all the games. Italy, who they'll face, are a real powerful uh, side under-20s as well. So so it's hard to tell. I, I think Scotland have to, to progress through this summer series, get time together, the half had time together, the two warm-up games against uh, kind of behind closed doors against England, where there's a lot of players being exposed to, to that level, resulting in the 32 that was picked. So the more time together, the better they'll get. This is 
tough, tough competition playing against players who, you know, and we said before, are playing international rugby or, or playing in top 14 finals or premiership finals as well. So we hope we hope to pick up some victories, and but it'll be hard, be hard for the under-20s, all in a condensed period as well. It's uh, physically hard, mentally hard, but it's what it has to be. If we want to prepare these players for, you know, performing in the future, it has to be done. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, when I look, when I'm interviewing various players from the kind of current main men's squad and things, and you, you quite often look at their back catalogue of where they've been playing what they've been up to and so many of them have progressed through the ranks at age group levels and things so I guess it is a case of it you know it gives them such an opportunity to really shine and really break through and then be given a chance further down the line it's funny as well because I mean when I played it was slightly different because we had an under 21s chart we had under 18s under 19s under 21s now the structure the global structure has skinny uh, there are some under-19 fixtures, but it's under-18 championships and then under-20. So you're you're effectively coming out your age group career a year younger than certainly I did. But even now, players within months of leaving under-20s or even when they're involved in the 20s could play international rugby. I mean, you see it with, you know, looking back, Johnny Grays and Stuart Hoggs. I mean, it's actually not immediately after the under-20s, but within weeks and months, they, they could be playing certainly professional rugby or international rugby. So, yeah, it's so important. It's quite often, it's one of the questions I like to ask the, the current players, or who did you play with and against in your age group stuff? And it, it's, it is, it's so, it's the same players in the same countries, give or take, coming through together. So it's a big, big part of their development. And, you know, for for uh, Kenny Murray, as the head coach, it, it's a good opportunity for him to, to get his time with the squad and, and, and let's hope to pick up some wins. Right, should we turn our attention to what's going on this week? Uh, Saturday, Scotland A take on a Chile side ahead of their three-match test series against Argentina. Chris, before we get to the game and, and the kind of opponents that Chile will be, what will the guys be up to at the moment? I mean, you've had experience of touring. You can give us a little bit of an insight as to what will they have been doing since they landed in South America and what will this week look like? Well, it'll be a wee bit different than what it used to be. I, one, of the, one of the first things that somebody would be saying, oh, this shows how old I am. When you used to go on tour, one of the most important things was where you could get the cheapest phone cards to phone home to tell your mum and dad you'd arrived. <laughs> so it used to be that someone sent out to, or the liaison officer had the big job, right, where do you get the phone cards? That doesn't exist now, obviously. But uh, they'll, they'll be recovering from the journey. They trained, the in with the, the national team last, uh, they were in camp Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at Orium. Trained Thursday, Friday really hard, really intense. Again, because quite a lot of players haven't played for, for a few weeks. And you're trying to reach that intensity of an A international when you've only got you know five or six days preparation time actually in Chile after the travel. So last week was intense. So there'll be a recovery from that. And there'll be recovery from the journey, obviously. And then it's just about, I suppose it's, what will they be up to? They'll be playing those Xboxes and table tennis and you name it. They'll be doing the same thing in the hotel room as they would be at home there most of the time. But there'll be a an unknown quantity a little bit chilly. Um, they're on the quest to qualify for, for Rugby World Cup as well. They've got playoff games against USA, I think. They've recently beaten Russia back-to-back, beat Canada, but there won't be a clear understanding because they've not played a huge amount of games, so there'll be a lot of any analysis you can get getting done as well early part of the week, and, and I assume we've not seen the squad yet, but there'll be a mixture of experience and youth in the, in the Scotland A team, so there'll be a lot of, I suppose, experience sharing from the, the senior players, whether they're in the squad for the game or not, to help the young players who are coming in, maybe getting the first taste of a, a national tour, and certainly international rugby, so 
there'll be probably more going on off the training pitch than there will be on the training pitch. A lot of the training pitch stuff will be done. And you have to respect the journey, get fresh, a couple of big sessions, maybe midweek, and then taper down to, to facing the challenges of a South American side who are always courageous and brave at home, looking for a scalp, effectively. Yeah, and it is a Scotland A team, as we said. You're expecting a mixture of kind of inexperience and experience. What are the kind of rules around a Scotland A team and a Scotland team? Like, what will the differences be between the side that we see go out against Chile and the one that we see line up for Argentina? There's not really any rules. Or, I mean, obviously, you don't get a test cap. You get you get a, an A game notification, but there's, it's not a test game, test international. But other than that, there's there's nothing really that excludes you. I mean, you could be playing for the A game if you had 100 caps. You could yeah, play so could Gregor almost, potentially put out a, yeah. a really, really strong team? He could, yeah. I mean, the, the, the players who uh, aren't home-based players, I don't think are eligible under the Regulation 9 window. Um, so it'll be, you know, home-based players, Ed based and Edmund Glasgow playing. So... Um, that's probably the only thing around it. But in terms of eligibility, it, yeah, it's not like we see in maybe other sports where you, you can only play if you've got five or fewer caps or you're under 23 or whatever it is. It's um, it's hot, right? It's unit games. It's part of the tour, an important part of the tour. And we spoke to Gregor last week and he spoke of the depth that Scotland have and, and the, the problems that that brings in terms of selection. And also the management of the squad and keeping everybody fresh but also keeping everybody on their toes and giving everybody an opportunity. So it is, an, it is a, a great opportunity for, for players to play. Everybody will want to play. Everybody will want to play. You know, that's just the nature of, of the players. That's just your mindset. But yeah, the, the uh, home-based players, opportunity for youngsters to get the first exposure to, to international rugby. And you think maybe somebody like Ollie Smith, for example, come, you know, springs to mind, could be in there or a Ross Thompson, crucial positions kind of younger players who've been in and in the squad getting a chance to, to deliver, but it'll be a physical match. And you know, trust me, in South America, it's uh, they don't come easy. And there is those six uncapped players, of course. Do you remember being in that position when you kind of had your first call up? You, you were uncapped, and and just what? How will they be feeling going it going funny, into this? Like, I actually probably remember that clearer than the last four or five years when I had 100 cap, whatever it was, because it's a dream and because. It's so exciting. I think it's really vivid in your memory and you don't have the fear of failure or, you know, or, or expectation. You just desperately want to prove what you can do when you get there. And so I've got really clear memories of my, my Canelli involvement. The first tour I went on was to South Africa in 1999 with the national team. And it was an uncapped tour. But you just, it's almost a feeling that anybody would have when they join a team, whether you're going from your under 15s to your under 16s or your under 16s to your under 18s and you're looking at these players who you think well they're all bigger than me they're all older than me they're all a bit more experienced than me and when you're not training you kind of tiptoe around the hotel a wee bit and you don't want to say the wrong thing you don't want to do the wrong thing you want to wait at the back of the queue when it's lunchtime you don't want to be first in you don't want to jump on the table tennis player table if somebody else is there you kind of tiptoe well certainly I did but then when you get on the training field it's just none of that training field is where you go and you're there almost to prove A, that you deserve to be there and B, how good you can be when you're there. So it's that it's that kind of real split, almost personality of being totally reserved and shy and holding off a wee bit just till you get your surroundings off the field and then on the training field, on the playing field, it's the opposite. You're just going to, you're going to show everybody how much better you can be, what standards you can set 
so it's a you know it's a, a kind of twofold approach I'd say. And I guess this game against Chile is a good opportunity for them to get some game time. It's also a good opportunity for Gregor to mm. have a further look at them and and. Do you think in his mind he'll be quite clear in terms of the team that he wants to start against Argentina in that first match? Or do you think there is room for actually this guy's made a real impression in this game against Chile? He's now in. Both, in all honesty. I think there'll always be room. There's always has to be room in terms of an excellent performance, a uh, uh, kind of overachieving performance, if that's possible. It's not the right phrase, but you know what I mean? Like someone just, wow, we cannot we cannot afford not to have this player involved. So there's always room for that. Um, the coaches will plan roughly who is likely to play, you know, X, Y, and Z games. They've never share it, quite rightly, because injuries happen, loss of form, whatever, but they've got to have a kind of macro plan, really, of the next 10 internationals, whatever it is, in the lead-up to World Cup year. So they'll have an idea, but there's always that win, there's always that opportunity. And, that, and that, that's what the coaches will say as well. You know, and, and it's true. There'll be a team potentially penciled in but it's not an ink you go out and show that there's an opportunity for you to to break into that but it's I mean Gregor spoke I can't remember off the top of my head how many games he said it was between now and I hate looking forward to World Cup years four-year cycles because I think what's important is what's next you know right next the next game I don't think you should really look too far ahead certainly as a player because you have to respect what's happening next but you do have to plan as a coach and you do have to prepare. And I mean, it was what would be four games in two or four games in the autumn, five games in six nations. So this is one of those opportunities that if you're given the chance then you have to take it. What about the conditions out there, Chris? I mean, I guess that you've had plenty of experience in playing in lots of different countries, lots of different conditions. How will that affect things do you think for the players? Um, I'm not sure. Like it's it's funny, isn't it? I'm not actually sure. That's what I was going to, we're going to say. Talk to George later. I was going to George Horn. We're going to ask yeah. him because I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, Santiago, isn't it? So it's, yeah. I, so there's I, talk can, of some. Yeah, there was talk yeah. of obviously the weather. There's talk of maybe some altitude. Altitude as well. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what, what George says. I mean, it's uh, having played in South America before, certainly Argentina before. You can you can get both you know, and all tests some different. You know, you can get you know pretty hot if you're in Buenos Aires or pretty cold, you're further south. So it'd be interesting to see that. I don't think it has a, a massive effect. I think most of the players now are able to play in different conditions. It's whether it's too hot, which I don't think it will be, but let's say we'll, uh, we'll figure it out for George. But the uh, you have to build a game that can adapt to whatever situation you're in. And, and Gregor's you know, really good in that in terms of the options you have from your, your attack plays, what your mindset is in defence. I mean, if if you are playing at altitude or it is really, really hot, you don't really want long phases of play, you know? So there could be a mindset that one of the many goals or the goals for defence is, listen, get the ball back within three phases. So there's almost a licence to really go after it, force an error, get off the line quicker than before. And say, let, let, let's make us focus of imposing ourselves on the opposition, get the ball back. If we lose it, get it back within three. Or, at, you know, at times it could be, listen, we get stronger as we go through the phases defensively. We get more players on your feet. You can frustrate the defence, force them to kick. You know, we, we can get, you know, counter-attack going. So there's different strategies, different mini-goals. But I say these are these are, these are are questions for the, the players, but they won't give us the answers because they won't want to give us any away. <laughs> we'll, try, we'll try and get it out of them. Um, so, yeah, we are going to be speaking to Glasgow Warriors scrum half George Horn. He's making his return after missing... The Six Nations, of course. Are you pleased to see him back yeah. in the fold? It's great, isn't it? Like George is, is such a 
an infectious personality. Even if you don't know him, you could look at him whether he comes off the bench or starts a game for Glasgow or Scotland or let's say it was Barmuir and the, the sprints he is. You just know exactly what type of person and player he is because he brings that enthusiasm, that you know, that that speed of thought, speed of action, and he brings a tempo and intensity to to every game he's in. So uh, it, it's great to see him back. He's, uh, he's such a hard worker, super fit, and you get some players who take a long time to come back from an injury, and other players who you know, can come back at the same point as they've left. I mean, whether it's a three, four month injury, you can come back as fit as he was three, four months ago. And George is one of those players through hard work and, and kind of natural fitness. So it'll be, it'll be good to ask George how he's feeling, what the mood's like in the camp, and I suppose the million-dollar question, what the weather's like <laughs> the last chart. Yeah, I've just done a, a quick Google weather search. 14 degrees and sunny on Saturday. Oh, perfect. Plays right uh, into your hands. Yeah, humidity, though, 63%. Oh. So maybe it's humidity we need to ask well, him about. But we will ask him all about that. Very humidity. Soon. humidity and warm air, the ball will go further. We're laughing. Well, Chris and I have now been joined by Glasgow Warriors and Scotland's scrum half, George Horn, live from Chile. George, great to speak to you. Thank you for joining us uh, to talk about this tour and, and the game on Saturday. Uh, first of all, how's everything going out there? How's how's training been? Are you guys settling in? Are you getting acclimatised? Yeah, all good, thank you. We got in yesterday morning, pretty smooth travel, to be honest, which is good. And then yesterday we kind of just got in the pool, did a bit of recovery and then went out for a wee wonder, which is fine. And then today we've not trained yet. We've just had our morning meeting um, and then we've got some gym later on and then a little kind of team training session. So all been good, settled in. The climate's nice and cold, so we're all we're all happy. Well, that, that, that's this is a telling question. Joe and I had a, a chat earlier on and we were talking about the climate conditions and Kenny, we came, what was it, 14 degrees and sunny? We, 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 we think we, 14 we, degrees, but humidity, how's the humidity? Nothing to report so far. Actually, <laughs> I don't think it's 14 either. It must You can see your breath when you're out in the morning. So nice. You're not at altitude in Santiago, are you? Not that I'm aware of. No, <laughs> I hope no. not. That'll, yeah, that'll uh, be a spanner in the works if we get the training. We're all blowing. So. No, as far as I'm aware, we're not at altitude. So, yeah. Can you see the sea? I can't see, I can't see the sea, so oh, we, nice. we might be altitude. We never know. And, uh, we flew over the mountains, but um, <laughs> who knows, Mossy? I'm just... I'm a bit of an airhead. I don't really pay attention to these things, but no one's told me it's that altitude. So. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. There's certain grounds up, but I think you'd be fine. Uh, so you said you were training a little bit later today. Um, Chris, you spoke about how Tuesdays can be quite a tough training session mm. in a normal kind of week when you're preparing for a game. Is this going to be the really physical one today just to give you a bit of time to recover ahead of Saturday or or what are you expecting from training this week? Uh, I, I think today will probably be a not quite as heavy as normal Tuesday, probably just because we've not really got the legs going yet since we got off the flight. So today maybe a bit of a kind of flush, get the cobwebs blown away, and then tomorrow will probably be our big session of the week. So um, we'll ease ourselves in today, hopefully. And have you looked? I mean, we spoke to Gregor last week, and he said very much this tour, including the Argentina games, because the changes in coaches and the changing in the personnel a little bit Argentina was more about Scotland looking at themselves. Have you been able to? find out much about Chile or, or what to expect in terms of uh, how they play. I know they're trying to qualify for the World Cup with a repertoire's game, but have you have you been able to find a huge amount on them? I've definitely spoken about how dangerous they can be. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of good results the last kind of year or so. They've beaten World Cup teams, they've beaten Canada and, uh, and Russia. And, you know, they're playing there. They've got their big 
qualification game against America in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, yeah we know that the dangers are going to pose. I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely get into a bit more um, actual rugby kind of preview. We've got a team meeting later on. I'm sure we'll have a look at them there and just, yeah, learn a, a bit more about them in that sense. But, yeah, we know the challenge it's going to be. It's obviously a, a passionate team, especially at home. So, um, yeah, but again, like you say, we're definitely focusing on ourselves as well. You've been kind of a different squad, a lot of new faces. So, and yeah, everyone's just raring to go to kind of put their best foot forward. What's the atmosphere like in the squad with the kind of new guys? Are they, are they settling in well? Are you taking any of them under your wing a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not everyone's been great, to be honest. We've, we've not done too much together, but we've all already, um, Dave Cherry and a couple of the boys have kind of headed up the fines committee, which I was the first fine, which was a really bad start. Um, Who did so you I'm, do? Oh, my last week, my phone, it was a rookie error. Phone went off oh, in a meeting. No, it was no. just an awful sin. So I'm away up the mountain later on to for my mad punishment. So that'll be fun. But yeah, just little things like that. Nothing too serious. Get everyone kind of relaxed. And we've got Ben Muncaster, who's, I've just kind of met him, but he seems like a great laugh. So I'm looking forward to getting to know him a bit more. Is he um, your roommate? He's, he's a tour, uh, he's not my roommate, no, but he's tour guide for the week. So I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll hear a few <laughs> We'll hopefully find out if we're at altitude from him later on. This is your first um, question. That's it. I'll be putting my hand straight up. Um, Actually, a good a good way out of it is don't just ask you. I'll just say, you know, what altitude are we at? And let him figure yeah. out how many metres above sea level you are. Make it difficult. Don't give him a yes or no answer. Homework, yeah, yeah. Make it tough for him. That's a good shout. Last whatever day it was Thursday, Friday it was pretty tough. Before, or we said before, is it really good, intense sessions? You're flying about like, like always. How good is it to be back? I know you had... Yeah, kind of frustrating injury through the towards the end of the season, but back in the field sprint action as well in the Super Six, and then back in the field uh, for Glasgow. How good is it to be back, and are you fully recovered for for the knock? Yeah, yeah, knees feeling feeling really good. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's so good to be back. And um, you never want to miss out on anything, whether it's through selection or injury. And uh, yeah, it's not been the kind of smoothest of seasons, but. I think, yeah, like you say, last week got back in and just wanted to fly about. My thing is try and bring a bit of energy, a bit of work rate, and yeah, it was great to just get in different environments, see all the boys, and yeah, couple training. Of tough was, sessions, a couple of tough sessions, or wasn't it Thursday, Friday? Uh, yeah, it was. It was brutal. Um, Thursday we had it was like a big, big running focus. Um, lot of on feet, lot of ball and play time, and then Friday we smashed each other to pieces. So, um, <laughs> that wasn't best fun for the little guys, but. Again, it's another thing that brings you all closer together, a new group. When you go through the tough sessions, you kind of, afterwards, you can look back and think, well, we all did that uh, together and you feel a bit closer to the team. So it was good to get out of the way. So hopefully the, we're not doing quite so much uh, full Buna this week. And of course, we've spoken a little bit about the challenge that Chile will pose. It's then those three matches against Argentina. Um, you know what it's like to play against Argentina and score against Argentina what kind of different challenge will they be compared to Chile and are you excited to get going against them again score against them hopefully they'll be similar in a sense they'll be very passionate very physical aggressive sides obviously they'll be slightly more experienced um, in terms of playing um, test match rugby and things so we know kind of the threats they've got a new coach coming in as well Chica, uh, Michael Chica. so yeah they'll be fired up especially at home and um, yeah, we know it's going to be a tough, tough three-test series, so we just can't wait to kind of get going, to be honest. Some local knowledge as well, though, obviously the Edinburgh lads, uh, Emiliano Buffelli, but you've uh, a couple of Glasgow as well, Seb, Cancellari and Dom and Enrique. Have you been in touch with those guys at all to, to pick their brains as to how it might be? 
Um, not spoken too much with them, to be fair. We, Seb was actually, we kind of joked about it, where he was in the, played in the game last time and he said it was the worst day of his rugby rugby. <laughs> Um, well, Jason, Jason, you. Like, in the in the pee and rain. I don't think those guys really liked that, but we were all in our element with the with rain lashing down, cold, cold day in Argentina. But yeah, we don't think it will be anything like that. Um, last time, hopefully it will be, but yeah, we know it's going to be a really, really tough physical challenge. Where was that game? Was that was it Mar del Plata? Can you remember? Because you played them it, twice, didn't you? Did you won both? Well, we played in Resistencia. That's what it was. Yeah. Resistencia. So. And was that the last yeah. time we've played them over there? That would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, that was the last time. I think we're undefeated, not to jinx anything, but certainly I, I don't... <laughs> I, the, the, we, Argentina haven't beaten us since 2011 World Cup, I think. Oh, right. Um, it's a good run, well, including, including games over, over, over there. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty impressive stats. So, yeah, hopefully we can... Double we can check it. I'll get Ben Muncaster. Get Ben Muncaster to double it. He wouldn't have been born in 2011. He might not have to go oh. Do you have any quiz nights or anything? You can chuck that in as, as a quiz question to see who knows yeah. the most about what's going on. <laughs> That's a good shout. We'll do a bit of our, our history of Argentina and <laughs> our like, the boys' knowledge is like. I was asking Chris about what he used to get up to when the guys were on tour. I say back in the day, it's making him sound like an old man. So sorry, Chris. Um, things will have changed a little bit. There's a lot of talk of playing Xbox, playing computer games, watching Love Island. Gregor alluded to the fact that there was a group of you guys that quite enjoyed a bit of Love Island. What camp are you in? Are you a TV guy to unwind? Or are you a gamer? What 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 will you guys be up to in your spare time? I think, though, yeah, there'll be a a good old mix of things. I think gaming, especially over COVID, gaming kind of got massive within camps. Um, so that will definitely be a bit of that going on. But usually on summer tour, there's a bit more of a chance to kind of get out, experience new countries and things. So coffee is a big one. Damien Hoyland's the kind of coffee expert. So kind of just follow him about to the best spots. What else? Love Island. I'm in the Love Island crew. Usually we get get some sweeties in, get on the big screen, lights off, and we all just kind of have a, have a good laugh. We, a few of the boys know one of the Jays called. A few of the boys oh, he's know him. a rugby league player, yeah. Oh, no, that's another Oh, guy. no. Oh, the Scottish guy, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scottish guy from Edinburgh, so a bit of kind of mutual interest in that, so it's quite funny seeing, um, seeing the boys talk about him and stuff. So, yeah, again, it's just another talking point, something to do, fill the time. I just want to ask you about the food as well, because obviously food and things is always different when you go to different countries big meat scene I guess in Argentina you get a good bit of steak out there do you guys manage to quite easily get hold of the kind of food that you want to eat in order to maintain the kind of diet that you like and things or can that be a bit tricky when you're on tour I think it can be a bit tricky for the big lads having a buffet <laughs> available to them 24 7 and um, so they have to be careful uh, but we're lucky we've got a uh, a chef with us this tour called Will Cavallio. He's, uh, he's also the Gloucester performance chef. He's been absolutely brilliant. The food's unbelievable. So he's got a kind of, he kind of overlooks all that and makes sure we're all kind of looked after in that sense. But like you say, Argentina, Chile probably been known for its steak. So we'll get out and, and, and indulge in some of that at some point, I'm sure. It's amazing. Amazing the difference food can make I, to the mood. <laughs> Like yeah. it sounds so trivial, but it is like if, it, and especially having you know a traveling chef, and yeah. not only just in the performance element, what you can, what you can't, but just to the mood. Like it's one of the biggest moans on a tour or in a camp, really, if the food's not good, isn't it? Like it makes a massive difference. So to get that right, you're 
you're well on the way to a successful tour. Yeah, it's huge. If you're coming, especially if you're training, you're all starving. You're all angry. Angry. If the food's the food's not up to it, then yeah, it can be a pretty depressing place. But no, I, I don't think we're going to have any of those issues this tour. Uh, like I say, with Will and and the the hotel food we've had so far has been been amazing. So hopefully that can continues. One of the biggest difficulties is for uh, for coaches who become uh, players who become coaches because as a player you're using so much energy, you're training two or three times a day, you're buzzing around the whole time. So for the the kind of the, the guys who've been in that situation and had access to the food in the team room and just falling out of habit, refueling as they call it, but a lot of the guys who go on to become coaches still fall into the refueling habit, but. Quickly uh-huh. realize they're not doing quite as much exercise. It can be a dangerous place. Remember, Matt Taylor used to, used to always have to hold himself back from the, the team room snacks because he's like, I, I used to do this as a player, but I just, it's temptation's too good. Yeah. When it's available to you, it must be hard not to just get wired in at any. But you often see the coaches doing their kind of their guilty gym sessions or training sessions. To be fair, Chris Fleck, he's in the best nick out of anyone yeah. on tour. Yeah. So, I'm sure he'll keep them all in shape. He'll yeah. have a deep training plan and whatnot. Well, I, I played with Lecky. It's come half at Edinburgh. He's now involved in the present condition, isn't he? And honestly, like super fit now. But as a player, he was super fit. He used to, we would do fitness sessions, pre-season, horrific sessions. You're crawling over the line. And then he would go and train on his own about two minutes later and the side of the page, just keep going. Unbelievable. But Seth's a good example, does Lecky. He's a good man. Hi. Well, good luck this weekend. We don't know the team yet. We don't know the... The, for, for Chile, I don't know the squad, but um, whoever's involved, uh, I hope it goes well. Great opportunity for everybody, really, to, to hit the tour, um, get the tour starting in a, in a good vein of form, you know, personally and as a team. So go well. We look forward to, to keeping an eye on things. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, just can't wait to get going, get cracking, and yeah, hopefully get some good results. Thank you, George. Thank you. That was brilliant to talk to George there. He seems super relaxed, really, really happy. Kind of seems like they're all in good spirits from what he's saying. Yeah, we said before, it's just even if you don't know George, you can just take one look at him and see what type of person he is. And really popular within the squad, uh, really vibrant, always upbeat, yeah, competitive, really competitive, um, you know, in terms of wanting to win warm up games or, you know, games within, I don't mean warm up games for test, I mean, little things you do before you, you warm up. He wants to win everything. And you can see that and you can see how um how boy and bouncy is. And yeah, he'll be a big he'll be a big member of that squad. And, and I think it's really it's a big moment for him as well because he's obviously missed a lot of rugby through through the season. Um there's a lot of depth and some quality players in and around that, that position. Um so uh it'll be great to, to see him hopefully get an opportunity and, and put his marker down because he is he's, he's an influential player in person and his standards and his behaviour and his fitness and his his quality and I suppose the, the biggest stat that sticks out is his try scoring ability I mean, yeah. his just strike rate is phenomenal in terms of Glasgow and Scotland so let's hope that continues yeah absolutely and he just seems from that short conversation exactly the type of character that you'd want in and around a dressing room as well so yeah really great to talk to him yeah he is. and he's clever as well George in terms of nines and tens have to kind of dist- obviously play the game plan and influence the game plan and coach on the field with these little bits and pieces and he gets it he understands you know, he's known for his, his strike rate, his tries, his tempo, but he knows how to execute what the what the strategy is as well, and he'll input into that, as, as all the minds do. So good luck to, to George if he's involved this weekend against yeah. Chile, and um, well, everybody else takes a field. Absolutely. And kudos to him for uh, 
admitting that he watches Love Island as well. <laughs> yeah, you could have been talking a different language. I have no idea what you're on about in that segment. I just kept quiet, saving Madison myself. Yeah. <laughs>